0: Welcome to Sophos Security chat Chat episode 66 for July the 7th, 2011. I'm Chester Wisneski, and my guest this week once again is the head of technology for Sophos Australia and Asia-Pacific,
1: Paul Ducklin. Welcome back, Paul. Thanks, Chester. It's been a couple of weeks, actually. And by the way, when you said it was going to be chat Chat 66... My first thought was of Route 66, and I was disappointed earlier f- to find out that it hasn't been that for 30 years, which shows how up to date I am with the US highway system.
0: Yeah, it, uh, things aren't what they used to be, but I'm going to uh, steer the conversation back to security. We had a uh, a paper we published yesterday uh, from some folks at Sophos Labs on this PoppyReb rootkit and uh, malware family, I guess. There's like, you know, multiple components to it, and I thought it was kind of interesting because. There's been a lot of press about these big, dark, scary rootkits, and TDL, and TDSS, and Popureb, and and a lot of misunderstanding around a lot of it. And I know you spent quite a bit of time looking into these things, and I was curious what your thoughts were on
1: uh, on our paper and what people should think about modern rootkits. It's not a show-off paper, like some of the reversing papers you see where someone just disassembles something to bits over 30 or 40 pages and it's only educational to other reverse engineers. It's designed as a paper that gives you some technical insights, but also has a a good educational operational side for sysadmins and IT managers. So it, it's only eight or nine pages. A great work by the labs guys, as usual. That leads me to think about the
0: next couple topics, which is kind of focus around patching a little bit. Um, WordPress released version 3.2 this week, and one of the things that was being applauded was that they're now requiring people to upgrade to... PHP 5 and MySQL 5, and of course uh, version 4 of both of those applications have not really been maintained for at least five or six years from a security standpoint. So it will be good, hopefully, to see both WordPress users and um, their ISPs that are hosting them, you know, uh, upgrade their systems a bit and come come into the closer into the 21st century. But it, you know, I, I was curious, and I went into the lab and I just grabbed a bunch of URLs of known WordPress infected pages and ran through them, and not a single one of them was up to date with either their WordPress or their PHP. So I guess if they're not keeping their WordPress up to date, there's almost no hope they're going to be keeping the underlying operating system up to date when all it takes to update WordPress is to to click, yes, take me to the next version. It was a little disappointing to see that, I guess, uh, even people that may be savvy enough to decide to run a blog, which may put them above the average computer owner, are still not savvy enough to realize that these patches are actually critical. That you'd think that the people who are genuinely interested in whatever topic it is, whether it's your personal life or your hobby or your World of Warcraft clan or whatever it might be, those are the last people in the world that you should want to expose to any additional risk. And that sort of leads to um, the intentional use of a flaw to do something that you want that maybe the vendor doesn't want, which is jailbreakme.com is back. Um, we reported on this in 2010 when it originally launched, where you could simply. Browse to a website and jailbreak your iPhone or iPad or um, iDevice, I guess. And it's back. They found a new remotely uh, exploitable, or flaw. I guess not remotely exploitable, but um, a flaw within the browsing system that allows them to gain root privileges on the phone and jailbreak it and install Cydia, etc. So I guess, you know, is, is this sort of the, you know, hacking for good instead of evil? Or does it put users at more risk?
1: Well, the risk is the malicious exploitation of the vulnerability, isn't it? Now, I have to admit, Chester, my personal opinion on jailbreaking is very different from most official corporate ones. I can't see why anyone would trust an unjailbroken iPhone or iPad when they can jailbreak it and actually then review the system properly. Maybe, it, maybe it's just something about me, but I don't like the idea of this operating system that lets me see all my files and let me review everything, but then when I dig a little deeper I realize there's a whole part of the operating system which is not at all dissimilar from what I have in OS 10 that is deliberately kept secret from me and I cannot possibly review. So I prefer the idea of a jailbroken phone that I take responsibility for myself. I can understand why corporates wouldn't like that and why they would want to discourage it because it does open up the phone to very very many more potential sources of risk. Having said that, it is important that Apple patches that vulnerability because it is a vulnerability and let's hope that instead of being seen as naughty 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 jailbreak me that it's actually a bit of a wake-up call to Apple fanboys who many of whom seem to assume that Apple devices are completely immune to any sort of exploit that does not require the user to do something silly and the fact that you can jailbreak a device at all implies that that conclusion is completely false.
0: Yep uh, I, I mean I, I I find that there's a diminishing number of um the more uh, insistent of the of those people that you know are in denial that it's even possible but there's still a, a sizable number of them out there. Um wanted to wrap up by talking a little bit about password management. We talk about this a lot on on Naked Security and um there were two high profile Twitter accounts hacked this week. It started on the 4th of July Independence Day in the United States uh with Fox News having their Twitter account compromised by someone and posting information that, uh, that that somebody had killed President Obama. Of course, that's not true, and now the Secret Service are involved. Uh, And then we saw later on the week, uh, PayPal UK's account was compromised by someone who was clearly um, disgruntled. Um, I'm not sure if they were gruntled previously, but they were definitely disgruntled about PayPal UK and kind of defaced the page as opposed to uh, putting up fake things that you might believe were actually
1: from the genuine PayPal United Kingdom. It was quite a spectacular defacement, not that I approve of defacements at all, but it was both sad and made me smile at the same time. Perhaps you'd like to describe it, Chester.
0: Yeah, well there there were two different ones. Uh the, the the first one I think is the one you're referring to, which was um I, I'm not quite sure how to say uh maybe maybe the term dog pile would be appropriate. I think coil is the technical term. Yeah, say coil, uh with some flies swarming around it over the PayPal logo. Um It's not really funny, Chester. We should not be laughing. This is a crime. <laughs> Well, yes, but that doesn't mean it can't be funny. I mean, just because it's illegal doesn't mean you can't chuckle. And I mean, and and you I, I know, I know you know Patrick Gray, and he wrote an article about how so many security people were secretly happy with LulzSec, and I personally am not one of those people. But I met and talked to more than a handful of security. Um, focused people, whether they be consultants or other podcasters or different people and things I know on Twitter that clearly were delighted, um, secretly delighted. They weren't willing to go on the record anyway and say that they were delighted, but there was a certain amount of secret delight for a lot of people, even though it was quite, um, in my opinion, quite atrocious criminal activity. The moral was more along the lines of, Well, one, Twitter security is rather poor. There's really no way to protect your account. Uh, You know, if somebody compromises it, they can change the email address, and and you're kind of out of luck. I mean, good luck finding a telephone number or a contact at Twitter to recover your account when it's compromised, which puts the onus of having secure passwords that much
1: more serious for that service. And also, it seems that in many large organizations, and Graham wrote some excellent advice on naked security about all of this stuff, of course, It seems that in many, and even in some smaller organizations, the the team of people responsible for individual pages and identities on corporate social networking presences grows and grows and grows. And you can end up with 10, 20, 30 people having access to that page. And there are two significant problems there. One is it's much more likely that somebody will make a mistake and post something foolish or inappropriate using the account otherwise legitimately. And secondly, since a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, the bad guys only need to get one of those passwords, or only one of those passwords needs to have poor choice for the bad guys to be able to do whatever they want. And this is a a real problem, and perhaps for corporate-level social networking, perhaps the the big few social networking sites could have a, uh, one thing that might work quite well is an approval system. So that, you know, in the same way that that if you have a safety deposit box at a hotel, there are two keys, the hotel keeps one, you keep the other, maybe something that lets one person post and you need a second account or a different account and a different password to actually approve it makes it a little less responsive from a social media point of view, but it could actually, it means then the chain is as strong as the second weakest link, which is at least better. Yeah, well, social networks, clearly uh, none of them are enterprise ready, to be honest. Um,
0: I mean, LinkedIn may be the closest, but it's not that great either. Um, Facebook and Twitter both uh, really don't have good mechanisms for controlling access and auditing who's accessed and what they've done and all this kind of stuff that you often would want in an enterprise-grade tool. And then, uh, in fact, the only network that's admitted that they're not ready is Google. Um, this morning, Naked Securities' page on Google Plus was taken down quite graciously, but Google released kind of an announcement to us and a few other brands that had started building a presence on Google Plus saying, we're not ready for corporate customers. This isn't built for it. And they joked a bit about how, um, if you didn't realize it wasn't for business, you might have clued in when they asked you what gender your business was. So, you know, at least they're admitting, you know what, we're not ready for this yet. We've really designed it for consumers. And, Perhaps when they do launch a more business-focused component to Google+, Plus, maybe it'll include some of these features and actually be a bit more enterprise-ready. We'll see. I,
1: mean, I I can't think why they didn't say that up front in the marketing song and dance they did about it, but there you go. Yeah, it would have been
0: nice. We did waste a bit of time, myself and Graham in particular, uh, actually monkeying with the system. But nonetheless, uh, it is what it is, and I'd rather you say it's not ready than to let us struggle with inadequate tools and put ourselves at risk the way we seem to be doing In Twitter and Facebook. The only thing I can think of is things like LastPass password vaults can help a little bit where you don't have to give the password to your Twitter account to all your employees. Every employee has their own account with LastPass that's allowed to pre enter in the designated password. Of course, that doesn't stop you from being fire sheeped, it doesn't stop you from having a keylogger on your system, Um, but it does stop you from either intentionally or accidentally disclosing the password uh, through user error. Uh, as opposed to malware or or um, over the
1: air theft. Just to point out as well that password vaults that can store multiple passwords are also a really useful tool for people who find it difficult to remember multiple different passwords. So it can really help you break the habit for convenience of using identical or substantially similar interguessable passwords on multiple accounts. Once again, the chain is as strong as the weakest link problem. If the account on your ISP gets hacked, you're at home and using the same password or a very, very similarly guessable one on a password which you use to tweet for business. An injury to one is going to be an injury to all and password vaults really help with that because they can randomly choose a completely different password for each site. Which means that even if someone does get one of the passwords, it doesn't obviously relate to anything else. Yeah,
0: there's a great free open source password vault called KeePass, K-E-E-P-A-S-S, if you Google it. It's available for every mobile platform, every desktop platform that you can really imagine, unless you're really freaky. Well, that wraps up Sophos Security Chat Chat 66. Thanks for joining me, Paul. It's a great pleasure, Chester. Thanks for having me. And as always, you can get the latest security news at nakedsecurity.sophos.com. And for all of our podcasts, you can get those at podcasts.sophos.com via RSS, iTunes, and uh, now Stitcher. Until next time, stay secure.